Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Capitalist Investor. As always, you got me, Diamond Hands D, and Luke Lloyd. How you doing, Luke? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm I doing think, good. Uh, you were quarantining for a week? I was. I was. I didn't actually have COVID or anything. I was just um, at a wedding. My brother got married and then basically like my mom and four or five other mem- family members got, got the COVID. Got the COVID. Got the COVID. And now your voice is out, so yeah. I probably should stay like 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah, my voice has gone out, um, so I will try to make all my words count this week. <laughs> I like the way you put that. And then yeah. Tony Z is um, enjoying himself uh, you know, out in the ocean somewhere. Absolutely. So well-deserved, so hope Tony's having uh, a nice time with his family this, this week. this is the first vacation I've seen him take in like three years. Yeah, he needs... He needs um, he needs more time off. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad he's out there. Um and he hasn't been blowing me up, so hopefully he's enjoying it. <laughs> hopefully. It's a, it's uh it's always interesting when I get an email from Tony. I'm like uh you know, there's something uh, that needs fixing. Yep. Like, uh, that I need to definitely get my eye on. So it's uh it's good that he's gone enjoying himself and um you know, good that uh you know, things maybe don't need so much fixing this week. <laughs> So yeah, you know we got a couple of good topics this week. Um, so we'll uh, kind of run through them here and then kick things off. But you know, I think the first thing that we're kind of noticing out there is the market finally becoming rational. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that and, and what that means. Um, we we got to talk about this Biden speech um, from yesterday. Um, so that would be Tuesday uh, if you're listening. Really, just cringeworthy from from start to finish. There's really no other way he to say like it. He said like multiple things, and the crowd just looked around and was like, <laughs> "What did he just say?" We'll so, go over that. Yeah, and then you know the the uh, college loan forgiveness has obviously been a hot topic. The administration says it's paid for, but they just don't know how much it's going to cost. So, and I came across somebody. My girlfriend does uh, craft fairs. She's like into starting her own small business. And I was talking to somebody next to me, and he made some interesting comments. So I got some good commentary there. As well. Awesome. Well, let's kick things off. So, um, you know, we we've seen the market pull back, you know, significantly last Friday, and then to start the week again. You know, it's kind of our belief in this building that you know the. The market's finally becoming rational, <laughs> starting to actually, um, you know, look at things, take things in, and and um, you know, price accordingly. You know, it seems that we got that market rally that was kind of sparked because people thought interest rates were going to not be <laughs> raised anymore. I think we mentioned last week we re- weren't really sure why they were thinking that. <laughs> right. So I'm actually uh, talking about this next week um, at a virtual conference. My whole topic is actually um, how can you be rational in an irrational market? Because the markets are efficiently inefficient. They're mm-hmm. rationally irrational, if that makes sense, right? So um, the market trades on the most up-to-date information, the most recent information, and probably from uh, early July, mid-July to basically a week ago, the market heard an ounce of dovishness, like mm-hmm. like the minimal, most minimal dovishness from the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell when um, he said that you know there are signs that the economy is slowing and that 
the economy isn't as hot as it used to be. And basically the market took that, <laughs> that, that small comment there and was like, okay, if the Fed's saying that the market, uh, the economy's slowing, the Fed's going to have to pivot and pause by <laughs> like the end of the year, this year or beginning of next year. And the market rallied like 15% off of that commentary, which is absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> irrational, right? Yep. And then a week ago or earlier this week, um, you know, Jackson Hole, late last week, Jackson Hole, Powell went just complete hawkish. Like, <laughs> the market is wrong. Like, they did misinterpreted what I said. And every Fed official out there, even yesterday, I think, one Fed official came out and said, I'm happy that the market is selling off because the market made the wrong move. Right. And so it's interesting to see the complete – change um in tone uh from a month ago till basically now you know it's interesting more because of uh shows you how inefficient the market is at digesting what's really going on yep for sure i I think that kind of what we saw over the last couple weeks does kind of give you hope because you can just tell the the market is ready to rally (laughs) it wants to It, it really really does there's just no reason for it to right now, I think is the easiest way to say it. These issues that we're seeing out there, we've been talking about them all year. Whether it is you know high inflation, whether it is the job market, which we Did should actually mention. Yeah, now that I... Yeah. Yeah. So let's just go into it right now. So we've been talking quite a bit about the open job number. I think it got as high as almost 12 million open jobs. And how that needs to whittle its way down to zero, basically, mm-hmm. um, before the the real recession will hit. And it got down to 10.7, right? right. So 1.3 million jobs were lost. But what happened yesterday? Yeah, that, that number came in at over 11 million, I yeah, think. Yeah, they added like 300,000 <laughs> jobs. Yeah. So the market, it's interesting. The market, and this is where still bad news is good news and good news is bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, because we still aren't out of the woods yet when it comes to slowing the economy, slowing demand. Because if 300,000 jobs are added, that means the Fed has a lot more work to do. More yeah. than they even realize. <laughs> yep. So the market sold off over 1% yesterday because we added 300,000 jobs. Mm-hmm. Which is it's kind of interesting, the market psychology. like this is, These are unprecedented times. Yeah. Like, in the past, bad news was not good news, and mm-hmm. good news was not bad news. So the the fundamental question is, and I'm going to talk about this next week in the conference, is when does bad news actually be bad news again? When does good news actually be good news again? I think we still got a long ways to go because we, we have to bring inflation down. We have to – until the Fed basically does their job, the, that – the good news is not going to be good news, and bad news is not going to be bad news. Yep, I completely agree with that, <laughs> and that's that's what we're in for. You know, if you're an investor out there in in this market, you you can expect this really really choppy, um, very volatile action for the foreseeable future until interest rates get under control. It comes down to having a process to navigate these crazy turbulent chopping water times where we could easily retest the lows. I mean, oh, yeah. we could. I mean, we're only 10% away from that again now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, we could easily retest lows if not blow through the lows if things get worse off in the economy and the Fed doesn't do their job or the Fed hikes Hikes too much, which they they should. I'd rather have that scenario where we pay for a little bit of the things we've done in the past couple yeah. of decades, really <laughs> the past four decades. You, you know, I, I think it, people don't have usually a process. 
they don't have a strategy. Mm-hmm. They are kind of just let's throw some money in this spot that I think is good and hold it forever, basically. And they right. don't have sell discipline. They don't have buy discipline. They aren't using technicals to try to get a gauge where to get in and get out. So like it's just that's the thing that's most important in today. I think people are still, you know, we aren't out of the waters like we talked about, and I think that people are going to get even a bigger wake up call than we did when we sold off the first time. Yep, for sure. Yep, for sure. And, you know, so if you're you're listening to this and I think the the main advice is just be careful. You know, the, there's there is a lot more action that needs to happen before we're out of the woods and into a more normal time. I'll bring up something Mark said um, yesterday on his uh, Maria appearance. Like you take a look at the market. The only thing, the only reason we dropped, you know, roughly 20% from the top is because of multiple compression, mm-hmm. right? We were trading like 20 times earnings, you know, before this year. Um, now we're trading closer, I think, to 16 times earnings, which mm-hmm. is a much more reasonable historical valuation. Right. But the thing we haven't seen come down are earnings estimates. And I think we're projected to grow 8% next year mm-hmm. in earnings how are we going to achieve eight <laughs> percent growth next year on earnings when people can't afford groceries they can't afford their mortgage their rent like how how can earnings people still be going out spending money a year from now especially when credit card debt catches up with them like i think that's a very big estimate that is unachievable i i wouldn't be surprised if we see negative growth well, next yeah, year absolutely 100 percent. So once earnings estimates start coming down more or earnings growth comes down that's another reason for the stock market to sell off even more. Yep. No doubt about it. Let's let's move into uh this Biden speech because it is um I don't even know the word <laughs> to describe it. Depressing. Joe has had COVID twice, right? Twice twice in a row. I, I, who knows at this point? <laughs> like apparently he he didn't have it a second mm-hmm. time. Apparently he got like just retested positive because you can test positive for 90 days. I mean, who knows at this point? But yeah, he, he's got COVID a couple times, mm-hmm. I think. So my interpretation of all that was they're kind of hiding him. Um, and, and they've hit him for a while. And then he came back yesterday with um, some interesting quotes, to say the least. Yeah. And my, my, fav- my favorite, or least favorite, both at the same time, is a ba- basically Joe Biden threatened half of America. Like, he, he came out and said that if you are on the right, and you have guns, um, you're going to need a lot more than guns to take on F-15s for the American Army. Right. Like, that's not what a leader should say, like, at all. Like, you shouldn't be basically threatening the opposing party with military force. Now, I'm not saying he directly said, like, I'm coming out, like, doing that. Like, but the, the, the... Behind the scenes messaging was because he was trying to talk about gun control. He was trying mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, all the crime we have with guns and all that, you know, basically BS. And I get we, we do have some issues and, and the solution is not taking away guns. Right. That, that is not the solution. Just look at Chicago, look at all these liberal run cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the crowd when he said basically that the right wing, we're going to need more than guns to take on f-15s you look at the crowd everyone uh, everyone like looked around and was like what did he just say <laughs> no one applies and then he had to clarify he's like no 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 let me let me let me talk tell you mm-hmm. what i'm talking about like he just doesn't i don't he, he i think his advisors because this isn't coming from him mm-hmm. nothing is coming he doesn't think for himself you know when and nobody i'm not i'm not discrediting even joe biden when anytime you're president of the u.s 
most of the things aren't even coming from you because yep. you have so many advisors and mm-hmm. so many speech writers. So, you know, beforehand, when you're up there giving like a speech and go, giving up on there without a teleprompter, which is he could obviously see he was without a teleprompter. <laughs> right. You know, he was told to say certain things and the way he said it was not the right way. Right. They told him to say it. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it's just scary that he, he's saying these kind of things um, to even divide us even further when we need to be more more patriotic, especially when you look at the world, mm-hmm. China, Russia. You look at these things. If we aren't patriotic and we don't come together soon, it's scary. Yeah. I actually saw something yesterday, um, and it was on Twitter, so who knows if it's actually right, but I believe it was a um, a real poll. Um, I don't think it was Emerson, but it, it was a name I recognize, and the poll basically said that two in five Americans – so 40% of the people surveyed believe there will be a civil war <laughs> in the near future. I think if it wasn't like current times with social media and things like that, I, probably. Yeah. I think we probably would have something like that. But I, mm-hmm. it's more it's less of a like a physical civil war. Right. This is more like of a, you know, uh, emotional more of a communicational civil war i think that we we already are having mm-hmm. like this is i don't care if people say that we're the same divided as we were 20 30 years ago yeah but social media the media the general media um you know i think has divided us even further mm-hmm. and, and i don't i don't know if we can get away from this we need somebody in office that can bring us together right i, I don't think that's going to happen in the next mm-hmm. couple election cycles no. i think it's a couple ways away yep um the other thing was i wanted to bring up about uh, Biden's uh, speech yesterday. The other part where the crowd was like, what did he just say? <laughs> um, the second thing I noticed was he said something along the lines of, you know, his son, uh, you know, his deceased son, the one that's you know no longer with us. He uh, was lieutenant governor, apparently, I think Connecticut or New York, one of the states. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but he was lieutenant governor of one of the states. And he mentioned that... Um, his son would always go to the worst parts of that state. I think it was the worst parts of like Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And when, while he was there, he purposely made it um, so that he went to the basketball courts. And he would see all these black people um, there at the basketball courts. And he mentioned while he's saying that, he's like, and, and what happened was that's why the best basketball players always came out of the area. <laughs> um, because they were always playing basketball and it was in the worst parts of Connecticut. Right. And everyone looked around like, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> It was kind of racist. Yeah, it was super racist. It was very racist. Yep. And it's just like, but nobody, nobody's going to give him slack for saying stuff like that. Right. They're going to give, you know, all, anyone that says anything like that on the other side, they will come across and like come at them, cancel yep. them, cancel culture, which, you know, I know we have a new canceled segment, you know, <laughs> that we do every single week, but, you know, Biden's okay to say, and he, this is the, this is like the fifth, sixth time he said that publicly, like something like that publicly. Right. I remember during the election cycle, he said something like, if you ain't, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black or something like yep. that. Like it's, that's super racist, man. I don't care what anybody says. That's horrible. It really is. It's bad. He, he basically said that, um, you know, only black people live in poor neighborhoods and right. are good at basketball. That's exactly what he was <laughs> referring exactly, to, implying. Yeah, and it's just it's cringeworthy, like watching him deliver those those speeches. I, I, I honestly, I really wish it wasn't that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I really wish it wasn't. But um, now, do 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 a lot of people come out of bad neighborhoods and play basketball? Absolutely. Like, that, there's a thing for that. But he's generalizing. He's yeah, stereotyping, it, it, generalizing, like. If that that should just if you're on 
the left side, if you are a black American, like that should upset you. I don't know why it doesn't. Honestly, I I really don't. That that's it's it's a very. Um, I think he was trying. I think uh, again, I'm just making this up, but I think he was trying to kind of say, "Hey, like I'm I'm one of you because I I went to these places." Yeah, but it just comes off just like so bad. Just, just so, so bad. Yeah, and and no one will call him out on it, yeah. which is which is the unfortunate part. That's that's what the media is supposed to do. Like the next day, you're like, hey, you know, you might have not meant to say this, but you said some some things that could be interpreted as very racist. Sure. What do you have to say about that? But the thing and, is, we all no, live one, in our, no one's going to ask him. We all it. live in our echo chambers. Right. Like, I'm, I'm, and I'll even like admit, like when we're like looking up some stuff, when we're like watching Fox, like that's it's. I mean, there's, there's like different like mentalities, right? Mm-hmm. There's different um, perspectives out there, and the problem is when you're on kind of like when you agree with something, you usually like you take in that information, right? right. And, and that's why I try to take in everything. Like mm-hmm. I try to understand all kinds of different sides, all kinds of different point of views. Because when you talk about the left, when you talk about the right, like you aren't exposed to usually the other side that much. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's, that's the problem is that, yeah, he, he said this kind of stuff, but most people on the left, they're going to completely ignore it. Right. They're not going to even pay attention to it. They're going to mm-hmm. tune it out. It's going to go through one ear and out the other. Right. Right. So that, that's, that's, that's a big problem that we have in today's world too. Yep. All right. Well, let's, let's end with a, another huge problem we now have in this world. Um, basically, um, some, some people started doing some math and they figured out that the student loan forgiveness as proposed, which I hear might somehow get struck down at some point by some court. (laughs) I don't even know how that works. Um, but basically, uh, the math works out to about $2,500 per taxpayer to pay for the, the student loan, um, you know, they say forgiveness, but it's really a bailout. Yeah. You know, it's it's not free. It just doesn't go away magically. Um, so so yeah, up to uh, twenty five hundred dollars per person per taxpayer to pay for this. Um, the administration says that it's paid for, but then they also, in the same quote, basically admitted that they don't know how much it's going to cost because they really haven't done that homework. Um, so my question to you is how could this possibly be? <laughs> because they don't care how it's paid for. They don't they they don't do the math cuz it doesn't matter. They uh they know it's paid for because no matter how much it is, it will be paid for. They'll print mm-hmm. that much money. Like right. whether it's 300 billion, whether it's 600 billion, whether it's a trillion dollars. Like they don't care. As long it, it's it's more semantics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of of the the whole generalization of of we're doing this and we want this to get out there so that we can try to resonate with people like it right. doesn't matter what the cost is mm-hmm. and it's never been that way for Democrats for a very very long time the left side they don't care how much money they print they don't they, they that's they they don't think necessarily economically and politicians in general and the right wings are call and I will be honest the republicans are, are a culprit of this too they print a shit ton of money yeah <laughs> like both sides do mm-hmm. but you know obviously the left is more um about printing money and that's why 300 billion dollars you know it's a lot of money but in the big scheme of things when you look at the past 2 years i mean it's a drop in the bucket for the 7 or so trillion dollars we we've printed over the past couple mm-hmm. of years right yep. Um. It, it, again, it's not about 
how much it's about how much resonation or how much they can resonate with the American people or people that have student loans, student debt. Mm-hmm. But then again, they, they, they make everyone else mad. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Any uh, parting, parting thoughts, parting words? No, I mean, I talk about this a lot. Like, you know, and I've been talking with a lot of people about this a lot. I've been um, preaching this a lot. Like, I, I just, we need to get back to sum this up, you know, I want to get back to being patriotic as a nation mm-hmm. and I want to get back to the government stopping involved with everything. Cause I mean, they've caused the issues. It was COVID. Listen, was like bad. Like I get people were affected by it. There's people that died. I, I know people that died. Like I, I get it. Like it was, it, it's been intense for all of us. But when you look back to the, actually the economic side of all the issues we're having, it's mm. because the government got involved. Yep. They shut Absolutely. down, they print money, they didn't handle it necessarily the most efficient way. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to handle stuff like this perfectly. Like, we didn't know necessarily at the beginning how bad this is going to be um, and, and things like that. But now the government is staying involved. Right. They aren't taking a step back and they're making things worse. Mm-hmm. And our job, you know, you know, as financial advisors, as you know, investment managers, you know, our job is, you know, we have opinions on what should happen, what, you know, um, what our opinions are on certain ideas, certain things, um, how we would handle things. But our job is to take what's actually going to happen right? <laughs> and, and prepare, you know, our client portfolios and prepare, um, economic or prepare, you know, everything or basically our lifestyles of our clients around that stuff. So there's a big, dis- there's a big difference between our opinions and what's actually going to happen. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's a great way to, uh, to wrap it up with those words there. So, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, topics, uh, please shoot us an email at info at swpconnect.com, and we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in the podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any investment, legal, financial, or tax strategy. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. Please consult a qualified professional about your individual needs.